Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations. Z, Caitlin, Jante, we're all hanging out today. We are talking about human evolution and the ability to work together towards a greater good or uh, collectively come together, solve problems, and how that is a mark of intelligence and evolution. And Z, we brought this up because it's in some ways, unfortunately, the opposite of what we see in society. So we look around today and we seemingly end up in one of two extremes. Uh, Either we're not really focused on problem solving, we're just going along with whatever the hell other people are telling us to do. We don't sometimes even know who these people are. Uh, We have this cancel culture mentality that's been in the news because of the David Chappelle special. And there's this concern uh, that, oh my God, someone's going to cancel me or I'm going to be canceled. And it creates a furor. But there's a simple question, who is doing the canceling? Uh, Why are we being canceled? What does this even mean? What are the standards? People don't ask these questions, uh, which in a way are very basic questions. Instead, there's this bandwagon effect, and everyone just jumps on board. Or do you think about this whole expert mentality that we've seen? Uh, This has really come to light in the pandemic, where we have mandates and people follow the mandates, which by itself isn't that bad. Uh, but people are either afraid to ask questions or they don't want to ask questions or they beat people down for asking questions. So we're in this situation where on the one side, we're not employing any critical thinking. We're just swimming along with the tide, uh, doing whatever some faceless committee is telling us to do. So that's clearly not a healthy state of affairs. On the other extreme, instead of working together, we become increasingly intolerant. So you see tribalism, and tribalism has really picked up. Uh, We've seen this politically, uh, of course, since Trump got elected. The divisiveness, not just in the U.S., but around the world, uh, has become greater and greater. Uh, You see this in the news. You see this in discourse. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's impossible to even maintain relationships with people when you have different views uh, because they're so upset that you think a different way. They don't want to have anything to do with you. It's interesting, Z, I've been working on the uh, the Spoken Word Project, and I put out this ad on Facebook the other day, and it was on the topic of racism. And so a lot of people looked at the ad. This got a bunch of traction. Uh, there was a video behind the ad, but most of the people who commented, I think I got something like uh, 50 or 60 comments. Most of the comments had nothing to do with the actual video. It was just people asserting their point of view and yelling at the other side. So there were these heated discussions breaking out based on my ad between people who had never met each other, who didn't even know what they were talking about. They didn't even know what the content was, Uh, but they're just asserting their point of view. And they're saying, no, all Democrats are racist or all Republicans are racist, or you can't be racist because all racists are equal. And you have to F off if you got that view or you're a complete idiot for thinking this way. So there's a certain amount of intolerance. I mean, it was really weird to see, actually. Uh, But there's just this 
this weird phenomenon where either we're being swept up with the tide or alternatively we're just tribal and feral and we're beating down on opposition and we're not willing to do the more intelligent thing, which is to get together, discuss different points of view, and work towards a solution, work towards some greater good. In fact, you and I have had this conversation, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, this uh, book that I read, and it was written by a physicist. So he's a theoretical physicist, but also writes about philosophy. And his point about government was that it's really not about the policies. It's about the problem solving. So if you have a society that's a functional society, you want politicians, you want to elect people not because they're going to take your point of view and beat someone over the head with it into submission, but because they have the ability to think critically, to engage others, and to come up with solutions that currently no one sees. It's a mistake to just look at current policies and weigh one versus the other and call the other side stupid because the whole point of the process should be to come together and get to better solutions that don't exist today. That's where the evolution comes from. That's where the creativity comes from. And if you do that well, you get to places, uh, solutions, approaches, which, number one, haven't been conceived, but number two, are clearly dominant relative to anything that we're thinking about right now. And that means that ultimately you reduce conflict uh, not through violence and intimidation, but you reduce conflict because you come up with better options, and those better options naturally create support and naturally pull people together. And maybe that's what you mean when uh, you were talking about how the ability to come together and work together for the greater good is a sign of evolution and a sign of intelligence. And yet we seem to be ever farther away from that. And honestly, I don't know how to reconcile these two extremes. Uh, On the one hand, being swept up with the masses and just doing what other people are telling us to do. And on the other hand, we're tribal it's kind of a weird phenomenon. It's like we've got these opposite instincts that are going on simultaneously. But let's start over here. I'm going to hand it over to you in a second. Give us your thoughts. Uh, what has brought us to the point where we are today? I mean, how have we gotten so far away from just being able to work collectively towards a greater good and instead be in a situation where we're really not exercising any intelligence at all? Vin, um, again, I don't own the truth, and I hope everybody that uh, enjoys what we do here in, in our opt-out community uh, know that a lot of this is a, an exercise in problem-solving, finding solutions, pointing out problems, and saying, what can we do? Inevitably, we want to mitigate human suffering. Um, with that being said, what, what I can observe in working with people every day and then looking at trends over the last you know, uh, five decades or so, that, that just really observing behavior, interacting with all different kinds of people, um, there's a tipping point in the 2000s, in the beginning of the new millennia, this uh, 21st century, um, where we <clears throat> don't have to connect to each other on, for any reason. The, the internet has allowed us to sever connections with each other. Um, it's a great tool. I think technology, we should push the envelope of technology. You know, I'm a Trekkie. I love the idea of advanced technology that li- that allows humans to explore their full potential. With that being said, we forgot about certain tendencies of human nature that 
you mentioned going to uh, posting something on, <clears throat> on, 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 on the book face or whatever, and um, people get into these arguments. I have a similar experience where I, I'm a hobbyist and I like to work on my old cars. And um, I do it innovatively and <clears throat> basically with no money. I, use, I turn junk into something nice. So often I'll go onto the internet and ask a question or look for an answer about a fuel pump or a particular wheel size or something. And you go to, the, I guess they call them blogs or whatever it is. And <clears throat> 50 plus percent of it doesn't answer the question you're asked. Another 30% of that is purely disconnected opinions about what other people should be doing. So you realize that there is an ability for people to steal a moment of relevance without any liability. There's no skin in the game. There's no feedback. You can just sit behind your keyboard and just say random stuff. You'll never meet the person. You'll never have to interact with the person. You'll never have pushback from the person. You'll never have to uh, have ambassadorial tools to deal with people. But all of those things are things that cause us to evolve, to grow. I was reading an article by a scientist who um, was saying that one of the markers of a society evolving is the ability to work together during a crisis of whatever it is. An example of that is, let's say there was no fire department and a large group of people get together to hand buckets to put out a fire. If that fire is big enough and, and the resources are relatively scarce, every person's hands are important. And at that moment, everybody through an expression of effort and energy is important. And, and so they can all applaud themselves when the job is done. Remove that interaction, then you can't share in the reward of the job. Within a family, when we all come together as a family to deal with a challenge, each of those family members has a level of relevance that initiates a, another degree or spark of their humanity that allows them to truly believe that they are here, human. I'm significant. What we've been able to do with the smart devices is remove that altogether but still make you feel relevant. But because your body doesn't feel it, the craving never goes away. Doing a good deed or doing something in the vein of heroism is exhausting. It's emotionally, it's physically exhausting. I remember there was an earthquake in 89 in uh, the Bay Area. And um, <clears throat> I had just dropped my daughter off. I had just picked my daughter up from my mom's work and was taking her uh, to uh, some program she was going to. It was a young woman, I'll never forget, her name was Tara Fortune. And she had just bought a brand new car, a Volkswagen Cabriolet convertible, little bitty Volkswagen Rabbit convertible circa 1989 and I was at my mom's office picked up my daughter it was mommy daughter day in my mother's office so she had taken my daughter to work uh, my daughter must have been six years old at the time five or six years old about six years old because 
uh, her brother was on the way. He was, he was still in utero. So I'm driving down the freeway and Tara comes up to me in her new car and I'm in my car. I had a, a sports car at the time. And she looks and smiles and she's so happy in her brand new car. She said, you want to race? And my daughter's smiling and giggling in the seat next to me. She said, let's race her because nobody can beat our car, Dad. Because her favorite song was, she would play Tracy's Chapman song, We Got a Fast Car, whenever she got my car. And we're flying down the Cypress structure. And as I punch it, of course, I have a powerful sports car and it leaves this Volkswagen Rabbit in the dust. It was all for fun. I pull off the exit and my daughter said, Baba, the, the street fell down. And I look in my rearview mirror and the whole freeway has collapsed. And I felt something that felt like a flat tire. I said, oh my God. And it just, the whole freeway sandwiched down. So I took her to um, where I was taking her right away. I called a buddy. Um, the phones were down. I was one of the few people. that Not everybody had cell phones. I had a cell phone. So I got in touch with a buddy of mine. I said, where are you at? Pretty close by. The freeway fell down, man. Come over here. So one of my buddies came over and another one came over and you could hear car motors running. You could hear people screaming in pain. And it was uh, uh, during rush hour, uh, but for whatever reason, the freeway wasn't that crowd, was crowded enough. So we could hear the people and you could see the, the, the freeway slowly crushing down even more. So it was a, it was a freeway on top of a freeway. So the, so we climbed up the ivy on the side and peeked in, in between where the freeway had collapsed. And it was, uh, it was horrible. But you could see people stuck in their cars because the cars were crushed so low, they were slumped down in the seats. Some were trying to get out. The doors couldn't open. Many of the cars, the motors were still running. So you could smell the fumes and the creaking of the car because they were still in gear. So the cars are trying to move. There's smoke. Uh, some people had their foot pressed against the gas pedal. There was a baby crawling around that a young child got out of a car seat and was crawling around. You could see all of this, but the freeway had failed. So you're looking between two four-lane highways that have sat on top of each other. And we were reaching for anybody we could get, and some people we could get out and climb down. But the free, every time you would get someone, the freeway would close down lower. So it didn't just collapse, it was slowly crumbling. The concrete was turning back into dust from the weight, the sheer weight. And then other people came who lived in these housing projects, which used to be called the Acorn Housing Projects. Some of the most despised, the reason they built the freeway over it was so the wealthy people or upper middle class people from other parts of that area didn't have to look at the people who lived in these ghetto pro government project housing just to avoid the eyesore of looking at these wretched people that they would never have to deal with. So they drove over them. The freeway was built over the people's homes. But those people came out and they climbed up and they got ropes and sheets and just random people. Then later on, the fire department came, but they first assessed whether it was safe to go in there. The local people never assessed the safety. They simply did what they felt they needed to do. They didn't care who was there and they got everybody they could out before it began to collapse and they need to bring in heavy equipment. Mind you, they brought in heavy equipment later, but in the immediacy of the event, 
Think about trying to transport heavy equipment through city streets. It took hours to get the first uh, pneumatic hammers and everything in there. So we got a few people out, but I never saw Tara. I didn't see her. I just tried, and I tried to calculate where I was and the last place I saw her. And um, it was further down because I remember looking in my rearview mirror, exited. So days later, when they pulled the free apart, they found her car, and then her name popped up on the people who had died. And I remember my buddy and I just sitting there until the wee hours of the morning. And we just kept looking at each other. Can you believe it? We've driven over that freeway a thousand times, a million times. Can you believe it? And I remember how exhausted everybody was but also the comfort of being with people in the most miserable moment and you didn't care who they were. At that moment, our tribe expanded from this religion, that religion, this ethnicity, that, and we were all fucking human beings. And we all had a common vision to try to mitigate the suffering of other human beings. In that moment, we evolved. We evolved. Human evolution has always followed this. You fast forward today, we have a disconnect. This week in the news, there's all sorts of stuff about cancel culture, this, who did that, that news. But they didn't tell you that scientists Science has found new breakthroughs in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's that can help people live a long and full life without mental disorders. They found new breakthroughs in cancer, working together. But it's on the back pages of any type of blogs or whatever you call it. I don't know if it's called, it's not called a page, is it anymore? Um, you're not flipping pages, you're just scrolling whatever John Tate's doing, thumbing the thing. So. None of that's there. And the most interesting things are some guy in the NFL or NBA who doesn't want to get a COVID shot. But did you know they made a breakthrough in cancer, a holistic breakthrough in cancer using old Chinese herbs? Did you know they can prevent and cure Alzheimer's and Parkinson's? No. But we know that somebody is not playing baseball or something, and there's a big uproar. That's de-evolving. That's not consequential. What will matter is that somebody who right now is in their 20s or 30s who may have had Alzheimer's in their 60s and 70s doesn't have to get it. If they get the memo, if they get the news, that's if they get the news. So I think it's important for us to be very careful about responding to what they say without knowing who they are, what they believe, and should we follow what they suggest? Who are they? Let's look for accountability in our stream of information. Let's look for connections. Let's look for um, a, a reasonably thorough investigation of the source of things. 
we see what's happened now with Kofifi, right? We talked about this, Vin, when it all started. I was suspicious then. All my suspicions have been confirmed. You pointed out something so wise to me, Vin, when you said, well, the opioid game has lost a lot of money. So for people who invested in Big Pharma and the opioid game, they need another game. COVID is the game. That makes sense to me. And I know that everybody has opinions. Opinions are not facts. I have opinion, not fact. I can only base it on what I know and what research I put into it. And as I listen, not only to the research, but what is the echo chamber that seems to be so loud? Why is everybody so willing to accept the news and the word from disconnected, faceless, non-vested people in decision-making, fact-finding, and commitments you make in your life? I've never seen this before. It's like living in an uncivilized, illiterate, uh, Bedouin people. Saudi Arabia circa 1880. That's where we're at right now. Right? The reasons that the Islam had to come up with Sharia law is because for the Bedouins to be civilized, they had to have such strict laws that the fear of getting their arm cut off or dismembered was the only thing that kept them from savaging one another. That's where we're at right now, where we've just given We've given ownership of ourselves over. And there's an endless drumbeat of people that have no vestment in your life that keeps telling you this. And then we parrot it and repeat it. That is not evolving. The politics have always been troubling, but it's probably worse now than I could ever imagine it to be. People are elected into positions of power and authority not because they are qualified, but because you like or dislike them for just as many bizarre reasons. They're more concerned with what the way they dress. Is their hair dyed right? Is their outfit just so? And then the things that come out of their mouth, it's literally like you're talking to someone in an insane asylum. But for some reason, we filter that into sense. We take nonsense and make it sensible. For those of us who have opted out, let's look for solutions. There are breakthroughs in health and wellness. There are formulas. There's an algebra to being healthy and well. I told my neighbor, he came up to me yesterday, and he's type 3 diabetes. He went and got a multiphasic. His blood sugar is there, of course, because he's obese and and, and eating uh, snack rollies all the time or something. So <clears throat> he said, what can I do, Z? I said, what do you want to do? You can take the diabetic medication. One of the side effects, of course, it is you're 40 years old. So be aware that the side effects will probably include you needing to also wear baby diapers because you become incontinent. Another side effect is your sex life is over if it involves an erection. You never know nowadays you have to ask people what's going on. And you will have low energy. But you know what? You'll be medically maintaining 
your sugar levels by shutting off your insulin pumps in your body synthetically. He says, I really don't want to do that. I said, well, the first thing you need to do is lose weight. He says, how much should I lose? I said, measure your pants. The length of your pants and the, the, the diameter of your waist should be the same or the length of your leg should be more than the diameter of your waist. If you do that, you're not fat. If that's the case, you are not fat. And he said, okay. I said, so when you were giving me shit about working out and all that, you just start working out with me again and stop eating um, fruitiolas or whatever you know, you're eating. And he, he said, yeah. For us who opt out, that doesn't sound harsh or shrewd or cruel. I shouldn't be canceled or called a fat shamer. Um, I mean, I don't care. They can call me. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just here buying my time before I go off to eternity. I can't be canceled because I canceled myself a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm so out of the loop that there is no more loop. You understand? So I asked opt-outs, let's get on that journey and evolve. Let us evolve. We're in the days, I think, and again, it's, it's just a, an idea of in that the more that I listen and see, it's literally like a horror movie where we need to be on an arc because the planet is in distress. But you know what? We're short-timers here. The problem with this planet is humans. So if we wipe out ourselves, the planet will right itself. If we can't collectively come together and see that it's a problem and it needs to be corrected, but it doesn't have to have a radical shift, but it has to be a definite shift in behavior. See, I say that because a lot of people say, oh, we got to save the planet, so let's do the Clean Air Act, which is a problem for me because I, I build stuff. And so I thought about, they have a thing in California called CARB, the California Air Resource Board. And every rule they make, they say, to help the planet hurts working people. Right? So we're going to raise the price of gas an extra $2 a gallon to pay for clean air. I don't know where they're buying the clean air at, but apparently that's where the gas tax is going. But if you're on a fixed income or if you're making X amount of dollars an hour and you need to put 30 gallons of gas in your tank, that's an extra 60 bucks. Right? You see what I'm saying? So for somebody who doesn't have that income issue, it's no issue. You can raise the price of gas to $20 a gallon. wouldn't hurt them. Or they have certain rules on cars that if the little light on your dash is on, you need to go get a new something or you drive an old truck so they say it under the guise, we want to clean the air. No, they want to clean our pockets. And we never see it. California, they say, okay, Clean Air Act, we have these taxes for better roads. Didn't somebody come in the other day with the whole wheel fell off their car? Yeah, my, my wife had a client. She came in and she's running late, hit a pothole so deep on, in a BMW. It broke the wheel off. It didn't just make it flat. It broke the wheel off. So where did the money go? So I could go on and on, but I don't want to go on and on, but I want us to think. Let's think clearly 
about these kind of governmental things or, or group things that they run or the faceless committee runs. And if you can't do anything about it, do like I do. Just cancel yourself and just get away. Let them do what they're going to do and just stay clear of it. Just find out what street they're having their parade on and avoid that street. That's what I'm doing. And that's what I ask the opt-outs to do. I ask those who are, who are able to do a small home garden. Get your food from farmer's market. Hang out with people that you, you're okay with. If people around you, if you can't speak freely, plainly, comfortably around your friends without having some sort of, what do they do when they correct you? So I was talking to somebody, they were correcting me on some phrase I used or something. Hey, look, I don't need to be around you, okay? I just, I'm not that lonely. I got God and Jesus and Buddha. They're my friends. So I don't really need to be liked by a bunch of people. Whoever say, you know, we all hang out together in the spiritual realm. So somebody was trying to tell me the right way to speak about something. You, what, what do they call that when they tell you, don't say fat, say something else. Don't say retarded, say something else. What do they call that? Jante knows. He's up on Jante all the... Jante is the... Uh, he knows all the acronyms the and everything source. so you won't get canceled. Urban dictionary. It, it, it's too hard. It's too hard. Let's focus on elevating our consciousness. You know, um, you don't have to use a correct uh, term. Uh, rather, I'm him, he's, and it's hers, and... Oh, the pronouns. Whatever. See, it's too much. I don't, I don't have the bandwidth from that because I'm trying to grow cucumbers. Understand? I'm trying to grow homegrown cucumbers. I can't do everything. I am not a computer. I can do what I do. So I can't keep up with things that need to do to say to people so everybody's happy. Imagine that. We live in a world, you guys, where we, everybody is expected to be happy. And once everybody is happy, they need a little more to be happy. And then there are people who are unhappy because you're happy. So for them to be happy, you need to be unhappy or wait for your happy turn. <laughs> you see how crazy this gets? So all of us on this Dispassionate Observer, we're packing up, you guys. We're packing up. I hope all our friends in Indonesia... Got some land out there, <laughs> wherever you're at. I think we're trying to go to buy Kanye's farm or something in Montana. Where'd you say, Wyoming. Missoula? Wyoming. Wyoming. We're getting, <laughs> and they can have Beautiful. this. And this is about evolution. This is about evolution. As we evolve, as the species evolves, you'll leave other things behind. There used to be other species of homonyms on Earth. They're not here anymore. We kind of made it. Maybe there's the, another branch we need to start of people that are just okay that your personal life is your personal life. Your sexual choices are personal to you. Like the mail. You're not supposed to read other people's mail. How about just meet where you meet and we're all okay? So then I... I, I, I don't want to go too far off, but I hope we stay on track that for those of us who are trying to be healthy and well, we want to abandon 
the cult of they to really sit and reason out the, the way we process information, separate what's, what has weight and what's feeling and emotion, um, that everybody doesn't have to know everything about you or like everything you do and you're still okay. The importance of understanding the base human natures. We tend to be tribal. We tend to have familiar comforts and biases. Once we acknowledge that, then we can meet people where they're at, like going to a country where you don't speak the language. You're not a part of that tribe. So by being polite, opening, listening, and learning the ways of the land, you, you slowly can be introduced into that tribe. I've been all over the world with languages I didn't speak and I've learned to get along with people. I find that's a universal thing, is to give a shit about what people think, care about other people, offer a little bit just like a large group of humans getting together to work out a problem. Can we get to the human part of it, that we have a collective interest and there's a collective benefit in working together? If you don't think like that, identify those people and alienate yourself from them. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I want to broaden the discussion a bit. And we started out talking about how the mark of evolution, and I added intelligence to that as well, is being able to come together, work together on a problem for the collective good. Let's talk about evolution for a second. And I think this is central to a lot of what you've been saying, Z. If you think about life, to me, life is evolution. You can't separate the two. There's this natural progression. Uh, you can see it at the individual level where you start as a child, you acquire knowledge, you acquire skills, you go into your adulthood. Over time, you can contribute more to society. You can increase your range of impact, and that brings satisfaction. Uh, you can look at it from uh, the standpoint of our species or you go beyond our species and you look at life in general there is a constant evolution, a movement towards greater complexity, towards higher consciousness. It's just the nature of life. So I don't think you can separate evolution from living. So then the question is, okay, if we're not evolving, what are we doing? And this is where it gets interesting, because if you look at how we operate today, technology, I guess maybe a combination of technology and, and our habits – I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe anxiety is a big part of it as well. And all of these things interact, so the technology exacerbates the anxiety. But it's almost like we put evolution on hold. And it saddens me to say it. At times I feel that we're just wasting time. We're just hanging out until we die. <laughs> There's no – like, well, what the fuck is the point? I see so many people, and I'm guilty of this at times as well, where we're crushed by whatever's going on in our mind. We're, we're not here. We're not present. We're worried about keeping up with the neighbors. Uh, we're worried about what might happen in the future. We're beating ourselves up because we don't have enough money or we don't have a good enough lifestyle. We've got all these dramas going on. And then our attention is going from a cell phone to a tablet to Netflix uh, back somewhere else. Uh, there's zero attention span. You know, then you couple that with the fact that technology is isolating, as we talked about. We lose human interaction, and that's a critical part of evolution as well. Being exposed to different ideas, uh, talking to people, learning about 
various cultures, various approaches to life. That's how we refine our own thinking. That's how we improve ourselves. Uh, our interactions, in a sense, are like a mirror. Uh, they give us a clear image of who we are, uh, the good, the bad, the limitations. That allows us to move forward. So you take all of this collectively, and we've gotten away from evolution to this point either, I don't know if it's quite stasis. Uh, maybe stasis is the wrong word because I don't think it's a lack of motion, but it's almost a spinning. You know, it's this mental churning where we almost seem to be going in this endless loop of texting and information overload and living in our own private reality. We're in this echo chamber politically. Uh, we're looking for affirmation of our views. We're not willing to engage in others. Cancel culture plays into this as well uh, because we can't question the dominant narrative. We don't even know who is coming up with these standards, but we feel pressure to go along. And then you couple that with anxiety and this constant sense of dread. And it's just the spinning, the spinning, this constant mental spinning. And if that's what our existence is, I don't know if we can call that life. I think we can call that a holding pattern, waiting until we fall out of the sky and crash to the ground, or we eventually meet our demise. So that's just something to keep in mind. I mean, evolution, if we're not evolving, we're in either in purgatory or we're already dead and we just don't know it. So if you take that as a starting point and then say, all right, what does it mean to really live, to really evolve? What are the things that we want to do? It comes back to a few of the points that you've mentioned, Z, uh, which is we want to work on ourselves. We want to improve our, elevate our consciousness. Uh, we want to improve our physical and mental well-being. Uh, there's this whole idea of relationships, of interacting with humanity. Uh, one, because as we just talked about, this gives us some feedback. It helps us evolve. But two, we can have some impact, and we collectively bring everyone around us up. I mean, others bring us up, and we do the same. We give back uh, to almost this uh, this incredible organism that we're all a part of, uh, you know, this network of people and cultures. We can all contribute in our way, and that tapestry, when it comes together and it really flows, it vibrates at a certain frequency. It keeps on rising higher and higher. Uh, what, what is that going to do? Well, that's going to give us peace of mind. It's going to give us contentment. We're going to get away from this false sense of happiness that you talked about, which is predicated on feeling better than people around us. Okay, they're in a greater state of misery, so I can be happy, uh, or I need that next hit, that piece of information, that stimulation, just to feel okay. No, we've got more of a deep sense of satisfaction and accomplishment and immersion in this life. I mean, all of the things that are going on around us, uh, that brings us to presence. Presence is a big part of it. We need to still the mind. We need to be engaged uh, in what's happening day to day. We need to be involved in the lives of the people around us. Recognize that the gift is precious, uh, the gift of life, that our time is finite. And if we have that perspective, one, hopefully it cuts through a lot of the anxiety and a lot of, a lot of the churning. And two, maybe it gives us the motivation we need to break from some of these patterns. Because I got to admit, it's hard. You, you know, I struggle. I don't struggle so much with things like cancel culture, but I struggle with the technology, uh, with the cell phone. And, you know, it's just a constant pull on attention. And uh, you're not always present. And some of the environments that we're in, as we talked about earlier, uh, when we're in certain environments, 
because everyone around us is consumed by anxiety and and it's this stasis. When we're in that environment, it's actually very draining. It takes our energy. Uh, so even if we're trying our best, just the environment around us is dragging us back into the state of purgatory. So having some awareness of limits around technology, limits around the people that we interact with, is also part of this this means towards evolution. So Z, these are just some of the ideas that I have, but maybe you can run with this, give us your take. If we want to get to that state of engagement, of bettering ourselves, of having an impact on society, what are some of the things that we want to consider doing? Well, Vin, I, I can only speak for what I know. And as you were talking, I started thinking about, it, it sounds almost like something from a, a, a kung fu movie. What is the meaning of life, right? Why, why are we even here? And um, when I think of the people in my life, the heroes of my life, the great mentors and coaches that were really important to me who have gone, their life was really relevant, and in the moment that they did it, they were completely present and full. They were with me completely, and when they were doing other things, they were into that completely, and they didn't look left or right to be validated by some faceless committee or whatever. Uh, they weren't hunting for likes or dislikes. They didn't respond to any of that. And um, it's, it's, it's a forever question. Uh, I think about my own life, you know, every day that I work with people, um, it's, it, it is, the word fulfilling doesn't really do that. When I see people doing well, there is a feeling that is indescribable. And maybe that's what life is. I, I couldn't imagine not doing and not working with people. There would be not a lot of drive to face this world when you have no purpose. And you hear people saying that they feel dead inside. They feel like they're just occupying space. They're just consuming air that would be better suited for a plant or an amoeba than themselves because they've had nothing. I think that's why there's a lot of people suffering from very severe depression a lot of people suffering from depression. It's become normalized. Why do you get up every day? Uh, I was telling Caitlin, you know, she's been real grumpy and just having a horrible attitude the last couple of weeks. And I was really concerned. And I was saying, look, my concern isn't so much for you, Caitlin. It's the fact that we're so dependent on you. You're the part of so many people's lives as the, the mechanism of their life moves, you're such an important cog in the wheel of life that we don't want you to break because it will affect the whole mechanism of life. So to hell with what your problem is, we just need you to be okay. So we're gonna do what we can to help her be okay so that cog in the machine of all these collective lives doesn't break down and the machine is hobbled. I think everybody when you're okay, when you're going through stuff, if you can really see that you're an important part of a higher mechanism, and that higher mechanism is doing something that perpetuates the human species, even if it's in our small communities. All we do here is help people be healthy and well. 
That's all we do. One person at a time. And the concept of hopefully it's viral. And we do it in different ways. Emotional, physical, spiritual support. Can each of us ask, what is your mean what do you want to do with your life? And if you can subjugate the ego and accept that what we do know about life is that when you're dead, you're dead. There may be a heaven or hell, or there may be some other, uh, as the yogis say, there may be another plane of vibrational existence, but we can't speak that with true authority. We can speak it with great faith. I feel I've had many, many experiences that would give me reason to believe that there is something other than this. There is another plane of existence. Maybe there's another vibrational level. Maybe there's an ether sphere that our spirits fly on. But I, I, I can't bank on that. But what I can bank on is that right now I'm going to do my best in the most selfish way to be significant. And in being significant to me means that I can really look back and say, you know, I helped somebody. They may have been nobody to the world, but they were somebody to me. That my reputation is reasonably good. And I feel good about that. And it's worth getting up tomorrow. And it's worth taking a breath tomorrow. That's the opposite of committing suicide. That's the opposite of having no connection. And I have people all around me. I ask Caitlin, I say, hey, Caitlin, I think you need to get a boyfriend or something. Uh, and maybe just that will help separate you from the part of the machine that you play. So when the machine turns off at night, you got somebody at home just, you know, uh, oiling your gears, metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, so. So she needs somebody to lube up the gears. And I think when we have intimacy and closeness and connection in different spectrums that always gives you purpose. I was picking up the kids from school and it's just the look on their face when they see you. You know what I mean, Vin? That look when your kids see you and they want to, good God, right, Caitlin? They come in, they, want to, they just want to see you and you feel like I'm a part of something. I may be a little bitty what do they call uh, the, the actors that are in the background? Um, but damn, that was a good role. I, 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 I played my part. Those little things. And, and, and this is a sad person that doesn't have that. And the more we're immersed in letting technology use us and separate us from that viscera, of life, then the less life we have. It's harder to be healthy when that viscera is damaged. It's harder to grow intelligence when that's damaged. And that is what we're seeing in the masses of people right now. The level of general intolerance to each other and to the general environment of the earth itself People can't take life. You can't take a joke. 
You can't take rejection. You can't take effort that you, someone gave more effort than you, thus they beat you. You can't deal with the idea of meritocracy. That through your merits, through your efforts, you gain. Caitlin's rolling her eyes. She doesn't like that. I didn't know what meritocracy was. That's a damn shame. It's a failure of education system. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> you know, this is where we're at. People are hyper and overly sensitive. And thus, that's where we're at. And I say for those of us, let us abandon this ship. Get our lifeboat. Get our communities together. Let's turn technology around and let it work for us and not us for it. Can we do that? That'd be a good start. What do you think, Vin? Yeah, I think we got to add a session to our website to take applications for our commune. That seems to be what our discussion is working towards. We've been hitting on this the last couple of weeks. So maybe we'll get there and create our community get our automatic weapons. I saw a Netflix documentary about it, uh, about OSHA. Uh, it was actually pretty impressive uh, what they were able to accomplish back in the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, but, yeah. I th well, Vin, can I chime in on that real quick? I think when you talk about somebody like that, that created these communities, there's always been a desire for people to break through. The problem is, is we don't want people that don't think for themselves. Everybody carry their own weight. Don't worship anybody. Don't fawn over anybody because you corrupt that person. I learned from a great teacher years ago to reject excess extraordinary praise. And I do that. I live by what he told me. Because once you start seeking praise, you become the slave of the praise. A genius, uh, Bhagwan was a smart man. And it was the people who destroyed the, his brilliance. Fawning, following, because his words were, in, if you read his book, it's just common sense. He doesn't say anything so profound that it was from on high somewhere. You know, brush your teeth after every meal, I think he said. Well, that's just fucking good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but people go, oh my God. The great one said, you know, because we want to give away our own responsibility. Let's, let's fall on our own sword. Let's stand up and be who we are, be true to ourselves. And when we find people that support us, don't look up to them, look at them. Raise yourself up so you can look at them and be worthy of that relationship. The, the, one of the most beautiful thing is I've learned as a teacher, as a as a practitioner, as a clinician, is when somebody comes in and shares something with me that I shared with them and they bring it back to me even greater. When I see many of my former protégés have their own health and wellness businesses flourishing, there's a quiet in my heart that feels really good that I did something. In this world, I did something. That's where we should keep it. But if somebody comes trying to follow me and uh, tell me how great I am and all that, I'm suspicious of that. Because I know I'm great. I'm okay with me. I don't need validation. You follow me, Vin? 
Yeah, yeah, I follow you 100%. It, I, I agree that rejecting praise makes sense, even though it might sound unconventional on the surface. You're right. You don't want to be a slave to that, just like you don't want to be a slave to anything else. You, you want to be free. You don't want to contort yourself to meet whatever your perceived expectations are of the people who've started following you, because uh, that destroys the, the integrity of what you set out to do to begin with. Uh, but it, let's uh, shift back to what we were talking about just a minute ago. Uh, we were talking about how to get out of this state where we're not evolving, uh, we're spinning. And you'd mentioned a few things. I'll, I'll just pick on the the point about your kids seeing you when you come home. And you're right. That's an incredible feeling. I mean, that's a reminder that even <laughs> as worthless as a human being as you might be, you're important to someone. Someone is relying on you. Someone gets something out of your presence. So, damn it, pick yourself up and make sure that you provide and you take care of the kids. Uh, the work that you do with other people, um, agree with that. That's important. But whether it's that or something else, having that clarity of purpose can cut through a lot of the noise. Because ultimately, when I look at society, that's where we're at right now. It, there's this concept in engineering, a signal-to-noise ratio, and signal is the information. So you can think about a phone call. If you're talking to someone on the phone, uh, you've got a signal, which is the voice, but if you've got a lot of background noise, you can't hear what that person is saying if there's a lot of static on the line. And if that signal-to-noise ratio is high enough that the signal overpowers the noise, then the noise doesn't really matter. You still get the message. But as that ratio starts to drop and the noise becomes louder and louder and louder, eventually you don't even know what the other person is saying. Uh, you lose the substance and the entire conversation devolves into nothing. It becomes meaningless. And unfortunately, that's what society feels like today. There's just so much noise. There's an incredible amount of noise coming from our emotional responses, coming from information overload, uh, coming from desires or our our innate tendencies, which spin out of control. Uh, you know, our need for instant gratification, for validation, our need to fit into different tribes. Uh, we have all kinds of conflicting information. We have social media, which amplifies all of this. So there's a certain lack of clarity, and I think it's very easy to get sucked into. Uh, I wouldn't even call it misinformation, but irrelevant uh, information. Uh, we can get sucked into habits that waste our time. We can get sucked into other people's dramas. And that just becomes a, a black hole that drains us. But the thing that maybe can pull us out, you know, almost like if someone offers you a rope, if you're stuck in quicksand and you're pulling yourself out, that rope could be our clarity of purpose. What are we here to do? What do we want to achieve? You know, again, step back, recognize that we don't have a lot of time. We don't know, as you say, Z, what happens once we leave this plane, but we do know that we're right here, right now. What do we want to do with this time? What do we want to achieve? How do we want to live? How do we want to conduct ourselves? In fact, we put out one of your pieces uh, just this week uh, on, I believe it was, uh, make yourself into a light. And the idea is that whatever you believe in most deeply, uh, whatever your standards are for success, whatever your ideologies are, your beliefs are, live that. 
And if you can maintain those beliefs front and center, it cuts through the noise. It allows you to move forward and continue that evolution, uh, that progression that we've talked about. That's so important. You're right, Vin. And I, I think I'm going to close. We'll close today and, and, and just with a, a formula for everybody. For all of our opt-outs who enjoy the Dispassion Observer podcast here at Dharma Media, I want us to think about, as I'm sitting here watching my nephew uh, just stuck to this damn smartphone, deteriorating in front of my eyes, I say, I want you all to be aware when you're using your technology, it is an extension of a brain. It is a disembodied brain. And it can offer you information, misinformation, and disinformation. Be very aware of what you're consuming. If you're looking for information, once you've found it and discerned it, let it go. But remember, right in the same aisleway of information is misinformation, disinformation. So just um, protect yourself at all times. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.